Brothers and sisters, by the grace of the Lord, we have two members that wish to profess the faith. In connection with that, I would like to open the word of our God to Revelation chapters 11 and 12. Revelation chapter 11, we pick up the reading at verse 15 and read through chapter 12, verse 6. And here the Word of God reads as follows, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to O Lord to you. We give thanks, give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you've taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time of the dead, that they should be judged, that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple, and there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, and earthquake, and great hail. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God that they should feed her there for 1,260 days. The particular window that I would like to use this afternoon to open up this passage is chapter 12, verse 4. The second part, the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. And we can see that picture in the eye of our mind. Yeah? It's hideous. It's gross. Imagine mom in labor. A dragon right there. To devour your baby brother as soon as he's born. The 
picture's repulsive. Today, two young people want to profess the faith. We're thankful. Brian, Heather, they want to do that. But you're doing it in today's Canada where the challenges to be Christian are distinctly more difficult than they were, say, a generation back. To commit yourself in today's context to a life of service to Jesus Christ Is that really a smart thing to do? Or are you in fact setting yourself up for trouble? And the same question counts for so many of us who have already professed the faith. Is commitment to Jesus Christ in today's Canada a smart position to be in? And there's young people, perhaps signed up for pre-confession class. There's also mothers in the congregation expecting children. Is that smart? I mean, to various degrees and in various ways, is it not, we're seeing this gross picture of verse 4 playing itself out in our land. The dragon standing there seeking to devour the children of God. That's an offensive picture. But isn't it also a worrying picture? And the Lord assures us, no, it is not a worrying picture. That's why I summarized the sermon this afternoon with this theme. The dragon tried desperately to devour God's child, but could not and cannot. In developing that theme, I ask your attention for three points. The first is, what did the dragon do? Then, why are we shown? And how do we work with this? So the first question, what did the dragon do? There's two main characters here, right? The woman and the dragon. Who the woman is becomes an important question as we want to understand what the dragon's doing. So, let's first have a look at this woman. The passage tells us that she's about to give birth. 
So, verse 2, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. We understand this is not her best moment. She's being overtaken by what we would call nature, and she has to work with it until she's delivered of her child. But even as we're showing this woman in labor, the Lord asks us to pause and examine her. Verse 1, she's clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, on her head a garland of twelve stars. Clothed with the sun, there is no object in God's creation brighter than the sun. The Lord reveals that He Himself is light, is the light of the world. And the sun, only an echo of that, a reflection. That's this woman. There's something of the light of God shining through her. She has the moon under her feet. That phrase, under her feet, sends our thought back via Psalm 8 to Genesis chapter 1. Psalm 8, God has put all things under our feet. All things. God created male and female to have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and so on and so forth. All creation under our feet, that's this woman, has the moon. Well, if she has the moon, she has everything under her feet, no? Dominion. On her head, a garland, the crown of twelve stars. A crown speaks of royalty. Twelve stars. There's a full number, 12 stars. We're going to understand that her dominion stretches even to the heavens, stars. Not only that, back in chapter 9, verse 1, stars are angels. Even the heavenly hosts under her feet. Point? She's impressive. Verse 1, a great sign. Impressive. This one, this woman, is bearing a child. If she is so impressive, what's that say of the child she'll be bearing? We're curious, who is this woman? My suspicion, you're going to say this is Mary. 
giving birth to Jesus Christ. Reference to Christmas. Hmm? Okay. Not so fast. This woman is the church. It's the bride of the Lamb. I'll come back to that. Let's move on to the intruder in the labor room. The intruder is described as a dragon. What's that? And all the children will know what a dragon is. You get pictures to color of a dragon spitting fire. Impressive, dangerous, deadly creature. It's a creature really from, from mythology. Nobody, nobody has ever seen a dragon. That's true of Bible times as well. Nobody ever seen a dragon. But who is this dragon? And this time, we can identify him exactly because a couple of verses later, verse 9, the great dragon is called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. That serpent of old. Our thoughts have to go to Genesis 3. The fall into sin. That's who this is. Then, then why is he presented as a dragon? To show that he's not tameable. To get you a sense of his character. Of his deadliness. His danger. His savagery. His cruelty. He'd spit fire if he could. And what's the IC of this dragon? Well, says John, verse 3, he's great, right? Behold, a great fiery red dragon. Great, not in the sense of big, but in the sense of scary. Red. Blood. He'll devour you if he can. Threatening. And notice how he's dressed. Presents himself with seven heads. He wants to devour this child. Got seven heads to do it with. What's the baby's chances? On top of that, head is in the Bible a picture of authority. That's this dragon. He says, that's me. I've got authority. I've got fullness of authority. Seven. It's got ten horns. A horn is in the Bible a symbol of power. Well, we connect to that, a bull with a horn. You, you want to stay away from that? He's got power. That's how he's presenting himself. Ten horns. Picture again, full number, fullness of power. And not only that, 
Each of his seven heads has got a diadem, a tiara, on his head. A crown, a garland. And his tile drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. I mentioned a moment ago, stars, angels. The serpent, this dragon, able to sweep a third of the angels along with him. This is impressive, yes? Scary? Mm hmm. But what's his point? He's presenting himself, brothers. Sisters, as better, as more than the woman. She's dressed with the sun, the moon under her feet. The dragon's better than that. It's got seven heads and ten horns. You better reckon with me. He's presenting himself as better, outdoing her. This, brothers, sisters, is his effort at one-upmanship. I'm better than the woman. And so he stands there at the foot of her bed. She, in labor, he, the ultimate bully, while she's vulnerable, while she can't defend herself or her child, there he is, waiting impatiently to devour evil. Nasty. So that's our first point. What did the dragon do? So our second. Why are we showing this? To focus the question a little bit more. Why must you and I, the church in Canada 2022, see with the eye of our mind this offensive picture? The answer? Take a look at chapter 12, verse 1. A great sign appeared in heaven. Verse 3, another sign appeared in heaven. Why does the Holy Spirit call this a sign and use the word twice? What is a sign? The sign congregation vouches for the reality of something or another. Specifically, the reality of God's word. So, think of Gideon's 
fleece? Is it wet? Is it dry? It is a sign that God is going to do what He said He would do. Jesus did many miracles. They were all signs to underline His preaching. And so it is here. This is a sign to confirm something. To confirm what? Back up. We began our reading at chapter 11, verse 15. The seventh angel sounded. There were loud voices in heaven. And what do they say? The kingdoms of the world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. He shall reign forever and ever. Pause for a second there. What were the voices saying? The kingdoms of the world, okay, this is 2,000 years ago, so think Roman Empire, think Parthians, think the barbarians, the kingdoms of this world have, says this voice from heaven, have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. What's that angel saying? Christ is king. All the kingdoms of this world are under His feet. He's king of kings and He's Lord of lords. As a matter of fact, the songs go on in verse 17. We give you thanks, we give you praise because you've taken your great power and begun to reign. Wonderful. But you know as well as I do that words are easy. That words are cheap. And that's the more so because, as verse 18 says, the nations were angry. We just sang Psalm 2. The nations rage, says the psalmist. Uh-huh. Doesn't that give the proof that Jesus Christ is not king? Where's the proof? The kingdoms of the world have become the kingdoms of our Lord. And that's a question that's so very much in our minds today. We're seeing developments in North America. Well, this world. And there are so many things occurring that we just find tragic, that we just find negative. It takes the wind out of our sails. It just reduces our sense of enthusiasm and confidence for the future. Which is why I asked the question to begin with. Is it smart to commit yourself to Jesus Christ today? I mean, look at where things are going in our society. Is it smart to have children? In what culture are you raising them? See, and that is the point, brothers and sisters, of the passage before us. The Lord gives us signs in order to encourage in the midst of the apostasies and the brokenness and the corruption that we see in the wider world, and let's be honest, in our own families and in our own selves. 
So, how is this sign, this dragon and this in the labor room, how is that sign a confirmation of the declaration of 1115, the kingdoms of the world have become the kingdoms of our Lord? Well, consider, brothers and sisters, that imagery of the woman in labor and a murderous serpent, where does that send your thoughts? And anybody familiar with his Bible, your thoughts are going to go back to Genesis 3. Genesis 3. And then particularly, I'm referring now to the words of our Lord in verse 15. This is directly after the fall into sin. And now God addresses the serpent with Adam and Eve standing to one side listening. And what does the Lord say to the serpent? Because you have done this, you're cursed more than all the animals, okay? On your belly you shall go. And he continues in 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What's the Lord's sign? Satan managed to deceive the woman and with her the man. So he gets to fall into sin. And the Lord says emphatically that the devil may not have the woman, may not possess the woman, may not own her. Instead, the Lord says there shall be enmity, there shall be conflict, there shall be hatred between the woman and the devil, the serpent. Between the seed of the woman, the seed of the serpent. So, Eve has children. Cain, Abel. Abel offers sacrifice to the Lord. Cain's jealous. Cain kills Abel. You can imagine the grief in Eve's heart. Adam's too. The point is the serpent is able to bruise the heel of the woman. Yeah? And so it continued. Think Abram's tent. Ishmael can bully Isaac. Think Israel in Egypt. So many of the children of the Israel, covenant children, must be drowned in the Nile. The serpent bites the heel of the woman. 
even when Jesus is born, the mothers of Bethlehem end up mourning because of the death of their children. And Jesus needs to flee to Egypt. That's the underlying theme, says the Lord, throughout history. This hostility between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. This antithesis, this hatred, this struggle. That struggle can look very physical. I've given you some examples. It can also be more spiritual. And the devil would love to devour the children of God. That explains, too, why parents feel threatened, helpless, dragon in the delivery room, presenting himself as the victor, trying to snatch the children of God, devour them. That's why it's so vital to notice, brothers and sisters, that God, back in Genesis 3 already, promised victory to the woman, to the seed of the woman. She would bruise, would crush the serpent's head. And that's what happened. Oh, it's true. Cain killed Abel. And God gives another child, Seth, and then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Satan can't have all the woman's offspring. Ishmael bullies Isaac. Oh, it's true. But Ishmael must leave that Isaac may flourish. The children of Israel are thrown in the Nile. Uh-huh. And Moses is put in the basket and is raised in the royal palace and becomes the deliverer of Israel. The children of Bethlehem are killed when Jesus is born. But Jesus himself, yes, escapes to Egypt. Comes back and grows up in Nazareth. And does what? Goes to the cross of Calvary there to do battle with the serpent. There to crush the dragon's head. To bind the dragon, as the Apostle Paul says. For the seed of the woman must triumph, does triumph over the seed of the serpent. And because of that victory on the cross of Calvary, yes, Jesus died. He gave up his spirit. And on the third day, he arose from the dead. 
and ascended into heaven and received from God the throne at His right hand to be, to be King of kings and Lord of lords. Yeah, that's chapter 11 and 15. The kingdoms of the world have become the kingdoms of our Lord. Christ Jesus, though Satan sought to devour Him, was not... Satan couldn't win. Christ has become king. And it's true that Satan continues to strive to devour the children of the woman, of the church. It's a harsh reality of our day. Ah, it's been the reality ever since paradise just comes into sharper focus for us at the moment. Having children isn't cool. Certainly not more than two. It's an ungodly spirit in our land that strives to control education. There's a curriculum in our schools. There's content on TV. There's the canceling of of Christian material on social media, and you can make that list so much longer of efforts of the evil one to devour the children of God. He's replacing all the truth of, the, of reality with deceit, with lies. That's what we're seeing, and it's the picture of our text. The dragon striving to devour the seed of the woman. But the Lord, my brothers, my sisters, wants you to know Satan could not and Satan cannot succeed. That's the blessed reality. The child, verse 5 of chapter 12, was caught up to God and to his throne and there made king of kings Lord of Lords. So how do you work with this? That's our third point. How do we work with this? In first place, my brothers, my sisters, we train ourselves to see this battle. And all that happens. The developments of our world today. No, no, not in the sense of the devil's gaining ground. Not in the sense of the devil's winning. He's not. And you have no reason to panic. You have no reason to despair. Verse 5, that child, the woman bore, was caught up to God and to His throne, and so He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Christ Jesus, my brothers, my sisters, is King of Canada, is Lord of America, is Sovereign of China, is Ruler Supreme in Russia. All the nations of the world today, under His feet, the media, 
under his feet. Education in North America, under his feet. Please do not see it any other way. Christ, in full control of what's happening in today's world, the serpent could not, cannot succeed. And then you say, but there's so much evil in our world. Uh huh. Brothers, sisters, it is in the evil, it is in the corruption. It is in the deceit that your God takes Brian and Heather and works in them faith such that they want to profess it. And Satan has tried to devour Brian and Heather, as he is with all of us. And the Lord says, no! And he preserves and brings to today. Do you think that Satan's rejoicing now? Please, congregation, Brian, Heather, take this as huge encouragement. You are here today. Exactly because Christ is king. Satan has not been able to devour you. Rejoice in that. The gospel. Well, the text of Genesis 3, that protoevangel, stands firm. The seed of the woman crushes the seed of the serpent. And that's true for you, Brian and Heather, and it's true for, for all of us. We're living in today's world. And they're challenging times. There's no doubt about that. We're seeing the text playing itself out. But go farther than the picture of the dragon standing over the woman. She gave birth. The child triumphed, ascended. This is his world. The 21st century is his century. You have no reason to despair or panic. Christ is king. And Satan, a try-hard, a wannabe, I'm bigger and I'm better than the woman, threatening, please don't give Satan too much credit. He's defeated. Christ is king.
so all is okay. This is his world. This is his country. This is his decade. Be of good cheer.